Our scripture this morning is going to come from Psalm 46. During this time, we're going to be preaching from the Psalms, specifically looking at the attributes of God, seeing which attributes are revealed in one particular Psalm that will then lead us into a narrative, perhaps in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Psalm 46 is a very powerful Psalm. These 11 verses give us such great hope. This psalm was known as one of Martin Luther's most favorite psalms in which in times of trouble, he would sing regularly and would give the great foundation to his hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Wherever you are, in honor of God's holy word that we believe it's all God breathed, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Again, Psalm 46, I'm going to read all 11 verses. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Please be seated. Father, as we open your holy word, we need it. And we ask that you would cause your spirit to illuminate these words that we might be made different today because of what we have just seen and heard. All for your glory's sake, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Earlier this week, I received an email, and the subject of the email said, before you preach your next sermon. And it invited me to drive by an address, not too far from our church to look at a sign, a sign that was in someone's yard. I did that yesterday. And the sign was a cross. And on the cross, it simply said, fear not. It's not uncommon today for people behind all sorts of movements to put signs in their yards. As Holy Week approaches, we know that the white crosses are soon to pop up all over our neighborhoods. What a beautiful reminder. This sign was a little different though. It was a cross and it said, fear not. Now imagine it didn't have the cross. It was just a sign that said, fear not. It wouldn't have the same power. It's because of the cross that Christians can truly say, we have nothing to fear. But yet, this side of heaven, because we experience so much trouble, because as this psalmist says, there are movements 
in this world where mountains fall into the heart of the sea and waters roar and foam, we are going to be afraid. Seeing a sign is a good reminder, especially when it's on the cross, that indeed because of who God is, we do not need to be afraid. But the truth is, we often are. We are afraid of what we can't see, afraid of the dark. We're afraid of what we think we see, and we're also afraid of what we do see. We live in a dangerous world, and there's so much that we can't see, always. But even now, it seems to be most profound. There's so much that we can't see, but there are some things we do see. And those things that we partially see can also generate a tremendous amount of fear. We can see that the world is changing rapidly. We can see what's happening economically. We can look on a screen and see how this virus is moving around the world. We can begin to partially see that it might be affecting someone we love. Even as an individual, you might partially see that your body's beginning to feel a certain way, all of which can lead to fear. And then we see things clearly that make us afraid. Whether it's your work, your home, your children, your friends, whatever it might be, the things that you see can generate tremendous fear. Yet for the Christian, the most common and frequent command in all of Scripture is do not fear. Is that just a cliché? Is that just a sign that has two words that for a moment is meant to make us feel good? It's not. Because there's a reality in us, a refuge in us, that gives us the peace to endure any trouble and any trial. In moments of fear, we need to bring each and every one of them into the light. Whatever you're afraid of reveals something that you care deeply about. Whether that's a good care or not, it's there. And you need to bring that care into the light, into the presence of God. And as you do, you need to listen to what the Lord has to say about who he is first and about whatever it is that is a trial that you're facing. I asked last week at the beginning of the sermon, who are you listening to? Many people are speaking a lot, saying many things, some as if they're a self-proclaimed prophet about what this now means. Others still living in a sense of being cavalier about all of it. Who are you listening to? There's two things that we know are certain. The world is dangerous and always has been, and it is very broken. Secondly, God is fixed, solid, secure, unchanging. Though the sea that we're on is waging, raging up and down, though so many things around us seem so chaotic and confusing, though fear of what we can't see, what we think we see, what we do see is real, our God is fixed. He's firm. He is secure. In fact, he's the only secure thing ultimately and eternally. So during this time, like all times, it's his voice that we must most listen to. 
and not just listen to it as a way of putting paint on wood, as C.S. Lewis would say, but like stain, letting it soak deeply into the core of who we are. This is why we are in the Psalms right now. This is why we are using the Psalms to help us listen. These songs of Jesus that will help us to hear God's word and hear his voice. This is why we're looking at the attributes of God through these Psalms, that our hearts might be deeply encouraged, our minds sharpened, and in the end, our fears replaced by peace. So from Psalm 46 this morning, what I want to focus on is God's power and his presence. I'm going to speak about his presence first. The, ver- the very first verse says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. One way we might say it, it would be this, because God is our refuge and strength, because God is a very present help in trouble, we will not fear. It doesn't say we don't need to fear. This psalmist is singing or preaching to himself. Because God is our refuge and strength, because God is a very present help in trouble, we will not fear. We will not fear, as he says, though the earth gives way, though mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar in foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, we will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and our strength. We will not fear because God is a very present help in trouble. So let's speak about God's presence. The passage says that he is our present refuge. Anytime we experience a frightening event, anytime we experience a frightening era, a season of life, we are all looking for a refuge. In the middle of the night when a child has a nightmare or they hear loud thunder and lightning and see it, they run to a refuge. They enter into their parents' room. Why? Because they're in the presence The physical presence is a comfort, a peace that they bring. Our God tells us time and time again in his word that he is with us. Even in this psalm, he says he is in our midst and speaking of the city of God. And then twice in verse 7 and again in verse 11, the psalmist says the Lord of hosts is with us. Again in verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. That phrase, the Lord of hosts, is speaking of the physical Israel army because this is a a psalm about an actual physical deliverance from a physical enemy. But it's also speaking of the angelic army. It's speaking of God being the Lord of his whole entire army, that which is seen and that which is unseen from this text. When we describe the presence of God as an attribute, The only word we can use is omni. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. This God who is completely transcendent, way above, far beyond, even what we could ever ask or imagine, is also intimately present in our lives. As I stand here in the sanctuary with only two other people who are in this, helping this service happen, 
I know that God is present, scattered in his people throughout the city and all around the world. He is an omnipresent God, ever-present God. One way to perhaps be reminded of his presence would be this. As we look uh, each night at the news or see it on our computer, there are maps all over the world right now of how this virus is attacking. Where are the centers that it's most prevalent? We think of China where it started. We think of Italy, Iran. Even in our own country, we have different colors that shade the states that have the, the greatest impact. We also have states that then go county by county. Some counties have cases, others do not. And they vary in color because they're trying to show you where it is most prevalent and where it is rising. But I want you to take the color purple, the color purple representing God, his kingdom, his royalty. And anytime you see a map, the entire map is purple. There's not a portion of the map, not a square inch on this earth that he created or in all of the universe that isn't purple. It all belongs to him. Children, as your parents teach you about the omnipresence of God, picture any map that you can see and see it as purple, that God is omnipresent. For those who have disease, whether it's the virus that we're now all fixated on or other diseases, God is more present than, than the disease in any body. God, our living God, is very present, perfectly present. Because of that, the psalmist tells us that he is our refuge. It doesn't say that he will help you if you get into a strong refuge. For the Christian, he is that refuge. God himself, the omnipresent God, is living inside you. From the presence of God, this psalm also speaks of the power of God. The psalmist says, God is our refuge and God is our strength. Again, the only word that we can use to describe God's power is the word omni, again, meaning all. God is all powerful. As human beings, we have created many different ways of measuring power. When it comes to nature, we can define the strength of a tornado by an F1 to an F5. We can look at a hurricane as it grows on the screen, reflecting the reality that it's growing at sea, and we see that it is a category one, a two, a three, or a four. When an earthquake strikes deep beneath the earth, there's a Richter scale that can tell us how powerful that earthquake was. Was it a 4.5, a 6.6, a 7.2? We can measure the strength of a man or a woman by how much they can squat or how much they can bench press. If we want to measure the power of a lawnmower or a car, we do so in horsepower. But when it comes to God's power, there is no measurement. His power is perfect. His power is all-powerful. It is exceeding. It is abundant. Psalm 145 is a very, very powerful psalm that reflects much upon the power and the presence of God. I want to read just a couple of verses from Psalm 145 
that reflect so beautifully what I'm speaking of this morning. Psalm 145, one through three says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness, including his power, is unsearchable. Later in Psalm 145, verse 18, it speaks of his presence. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. How encouraging is this word. How encouraging are these Psalms that we who are in Christ have God himself as our refuge. We have the omnipresent God who's living inside us. We have the omnipotent, all-powerful God who is living inside us. So how does this take our fears that are understandable because we live in a troubled, broken, and dangerous world? Well, how does it impact us? This is where the psalmist gives us incredible insight in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. The phrase that he uses here, be still and know that I am God, is not a verse that's primarily centered upon being quiet and contemplative. It is deeper than that. It is a military phrase that means drop your weapons. It means in sight of the living God, in sight of this one who's, who is our refuge, who is omnipresent and omnipotent, in sight of him, humble yourself. Let his greatness, his glory, his power, his presence humble you. Drop your weapons, be still, and know that he is God. Fear keeps us from being still. The troubled world that we live in, the things that we see, the things that we think we see, the things that we don't see, generate in us fear. When we're still, we move from that place of fear to a place of peace when we meditate upon who God is. Meditating upon who God is, is nothing more than repeating over and over and over again, preaching this gospel to ourselves that this is who God is. In this case, he is our refuge. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. It's repeating over and over again the truth of who we are and what we possess in the one who possesses us. We are his. Worry and fear is also meditation. It's the meditation upon the things that we can't see, we think we see, we do see. It's fixing our eyes upon trying to find more information out about everything. It's trying to solve things outside of a deep stillness and dependence on God. Friends, as believers, we need to be still and we need to know that he is God. We need to listen to him. It doesn't mean we're not listening to other advice. It doesn't mean we're not seeking counsel. It doesn't mean we're not seeking to be as equipped as equipped as possible. But what it means is that we are being still before the living God, remembering that he alone 
is the only secure thing. And that security in him is secure for now and forever. No matter what sort of problems, trouble, chaos may come at us. I want to conclude by reminding you of a story. One of the great stories of the Old Testament takes place in 2 Kings chapter 6. The prophet Elijah has a young servant and the king of Syria is seeking to bring devastation to the people of Israel. And so they surround the city. He wants Elijah destroyed. The army of horses and chariots line up. And in the morning, this young servant of Elijah goes out. Second Kings chapter 6 verse 15 says, When the servant of the man of God, of Elijah, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. He was afraid of what he saw. He could see a physical army of men and horses and chariots. And it was vast and it was large surrounding the city. And the servant came and said to Elijah, Alas, my master, what shall we do? In his fear, he sought a refuge. He went to this man of God, Elijah, who then spoke words that would bring him comfort. And he prayed. He said, Elisha said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The young man would have wondered who is with us. I see this vast army, but who is with us? Verse 17, then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes. God answers prayer. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. The man was afraid of what he saw. He saw the potential of calamity of tremendous destruction. He went to a refuge. The refuge was Elijah. Elijah was already soaking in his refuge, the living God, the Lord of hosts, the one who is the Lord of the army that the young servant couldn't see. And so Elisha prays to God that he in that moment would open the eyes of the young servant. And as he did, the young servant saw what was priorly invisible. The Lord of hosts has an army that couldn't be seen, but that army was greater in number than the one he could see. My friends, the God that Elijah prayed to, the God who is the Lord of hosts, the God who is the God of Jacob is our God. He is alive. He's our refuge. He's living and present and powerful, omnipresent, omnipotent. In this world of trouble, when it seems like so much is giving way, when so much now seems really insecure, our refuge is strong and mighty and fixed and unchanging. It's the living God who upholds this universe by the word of his power. The most chaotic and dark moment in the history of the earth 
was when a smaller army surrounded our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It began as he was betrayed by one of his own who went and turned him over to those in religious authority who then came to the garden where Jesus had prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but yours. They would arrest Jesus. That army would grow. It would grow, including a crowd that days earlier had said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that crowd would now shout, crucify him, crucify him. And darkness would come upon the earth. I believe the darkest day. All of his disciples fearful, fearful of what they couldn't see, fearful of what they thought they saw, fearful of what they did see. All of them scattered. Jesus hung on the cross and Jesus died. And as Jesus died for us, he says it is finished. What looked so chaotic, what looked so dark and so broken was God's will to rescue us, our one true refuge. Now that living God lives inside of us. He has blessed us with his presence and we are his. After I pray, you're going to listen to a beautiful, well-known hymn sung by Steve Williamson, How Great Thou Art. As you listen, do so as a worshiper. Remember that God, if you are in Christ, is your refuge. And if you are hearing this and you know today that you are not in Christ, that he is not your refuge, may the Lord bless you with what you've heard today. Bring you to the end of yourself for you too would cry out, I need a savior. And there is only one. And his name is Jesus. If that's happening in your life now, please contact the number on our webpage. Call us that we might speak with you about what it means to have Christ as your only eternal refuge, the omnipotent, omnipresent God. Father in heaven, because of what Jesus did, we can come to you covered in his righteousness, covered by his blood. What I have proclaimed today from your holy word is true. It's your word. You are a refuge. You are a strength. Bless your people, Lord, with this encouragement that when we see the cross and each time we see the cross, whether it's in a yard or in our mind, we could see those words, fear not. Because you are our refuge, because you are our strength, because you are a very present help in trouble, we will not fear. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.